Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. I just want to share with you, in case you're not overly familiar with Shavuot or Pentecost, just share with you several facts about this important and I would say deeply meaningful holy day that we are celebrating here this evening. Shavuot is the Hebrew name, as I mentioned at the very beginning, of the biblical Feast of Pentecost, or it's commonly called the Feast of Weeks. I remember when I was in Bible college that I had a um, roommate, one of many, by the way, but I had a roommate that was from the deep south, and I was from the deep northeast. And when we first met each other, we were rooming together. It was a, like a three-bedroom, two-floor apartment. There was a whole bunch of us in this thing. It was very, very tight, which made us to become closer friends in a lot of ways. But he kept talking about Pentecost, Pentecost, Pentecost. And some of you know me well enough to that I do take things somewhat literally. And when I saw, saw, heard of Pentecost, I thought of a penny and cost. <laughs> and after a while, sometimes I'm a little slow on my feet. Have you ever been a little slow on your feet? Is it just me? But sometime, finally I got across, he was talking about Pentecost, Shavuot, there. And after that, our communication breakdown that we had was filled there. But I'm sure we had more afterwards. But that's why we're here tonight. It's the Feast of Shavuot, Hag Shavuot, or Pentecost. And if you're familiar, and we've already read it, if you carefully were reading along and absorbing some of what we were reading, this is one of the three great pilgrimage feasts. By pilgrimage, I mean that it was commanded that all the males were to go up to Jerusalem, not to go empty-handed and to present themselves before the Lord at Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. And those three, most of you can probably tell me those three, but this is one of them, Shavuot. Uh, the first one was Pesach or Hagamatzot, the uh, Passover. And then the last one was Sukkot, the great feast of Sukkot. And we read, and we have already read this, but let me remind you what it said in Deuteronomy chapter 16 uh, to, to uh, emphasize what I just said. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. That's later defined as Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel, Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel, at the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, that's this one, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. As you can imagine, those three festive times were really incredible times. And history, as well as biblical history, shows and tells us that at these three times of the year that there, was, there were throngs of people that went up to Jerusalem. 
The minimum would be the men, but the men, and usually it was family, as would happen with Yeshua's family at Pesach at Passover. The whole family went up to Jerusalem. Now, this festival that we're celebrating this evening, Shavuot or Pentecost, uh, is also linked with the giving of the Torah to Moses at Mount Sinai. Hence, Kevin just read for us uh, the Aserta Dibrot, the Ten Commandments. We read together, in fact, the Ten Commandments. The giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai is commemorated at this time. And that's derived from some textual stuff within the Torah. If you put some of the dates together and the time frame together, uh, it comes to about this time that the Torah was given to Moses during this season. Well, that makes sense. They left uh, Mitzrayim, they left Egypt at Passover time, and then it's just uh, within two months afterwards that uh, there's the whole Mount Sinai incident that occurs. You remember the Mount Sinai incident where uh, the, the, Moses is called up to Mount Sinai and he comes back with the Aserti brought the Tkamams, the two Luchot, the two tablets, so to say. So in that sense, when we think about Shavuot, not only is this time frame here a time of the giving of the Ten Commandments, but it's also a time of the wheat harvest. Passover was a time of the barley harvest, and this is a time of the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and hence it is traditional even to this day to read the book of Ruth. So friends here this evening, you have a homework assignment for the next 24 hours. Uh, this mission, shall you decide to accept it, is to read all of the book of Ruth. And you'll see as you read through the book of Ruth, you'll see that a good part of it takes place during the wheat harvest, where Ruth and Naomi are involved in uh, just an incredible book. So that, that's also associated with Shavuot. And then you can think just from some of what we said and some of what uh, Scripture teaches us, we know that it, it's, it, the Shavuot is connected, intricately connected to Passover because of the counting of the Omer, Sfirat HaOmer, the counting of the Omer. And we come to the 50th day, which is Pentecost. That's where the Greek name Pentecost comes from. Or the seven weeks Shavuot, Seven Shavuot, seven weeks there, and the, 40, the 49th ushers in the 50th day, which is where we're at now, which is Shavuot. Now, all that is to say that this is an important holiday. How many of you understand and agree that this is an important holiday? Biblically, this is a very important holiday. And my process here tonight is to bring us forward from all these things we're talking about from the Torah to, to this incredible event that happened in Acts chapter 2. And mostly in the Western world, that's what people think about when they think about Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and rightfully so, because frankly, uh, something like that just hadn't happened before. So in Acts chapter 2, let's read several verses there. And if you recall, this is the occasion when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, came upon those who had been gathered at this feast in Jerusalem from the Jewish world. Uh, they come from all over. If you read Acts chapter 2, point B of your homework assignment, read Acts chapter 2. But if you read Acts chapter 2, you realize that it, it designates all the different places, the geographical places that, that these observant Jews had come to Jerusalem from. And some of them, I'm sad to say now, some of the places that are delineated in Acts chapter 2 no longer have a Jewish community in them. But here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. This is right after Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, 
or Shavuot had fully come, fully come designates and seems the point that there was a count going on. And we finally reached the count, the 50th day. There's a count when it had fully come, not partially come. It wasn't day 39 or day 29 or day 15. It was the 50th day that had come fully. They were all with one accord in one place. And verse 2 is really a history-changing verse. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It says they were sitting in a house. Whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided or cloven tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So they were all included with this outpouring. It tells us how much God wants to include all of us in the outpour of his spirit upon our lives. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it continues in verse 5, and we'll stop at verse 5, but it's a curious read going forward from verse 5. And it reminds us, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, and then it says this statement, from every nation under heaven. There they were. All those people who had obeyed to go to Jerusalem on that Shavuot, they experienced a blessing they could have never anticipated. And you know, friends, there's a good lesson for us. Be sure to obey the Holy Spirit, to obey what you're to do, to obey God's word. There's a blessing involved in obedience there. It's on that very day, Acts chapter 2 points out, that they heard... A message, and it was a message from a guy who used to be a gruff fisherman up in the Galilee, <laughs> who had been amazingly transformed by Rob, by Rob, uh, Rabbi Yeshua, by the Lord Yeshua, and here's what he said. His name was Peter. We know him as Kepha also, and you can read all of Acts chapter two. But then Peter said to them in verse thirty-eight. After he gives them his message, this incredible message, and then he tells them this, and it really it is one key word, repent, repent. How many think repentance is still a way of life for us? It is. We must learn to teshuvah, to, to, uh, to repent, turn from the things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. And he tells them, repent, and let every one of you be immersed in the name of Messiah Yeshua, for the remission of sins. It is at this time that we have immersion services here uh, uh, next weekend, not this weekend, weekend after at Lake Arcadian. If you would like to be immersed, uh, please speak to one of the leadership here. We'd be glad to do that. Repent and let each one of you be immersed in the name of Messiah Yeshua for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he's called. It's called the gift. The Greek word is the free gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who were, are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then verse 40, and with many other words, Kepha, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, notice what he tells them. Doesn't it still ring true for us today? Be saved from this perverse generation. Friends, that same exhortation really applies to us today in the 21st century. 2,000 years later, more or less. 
Be saved from this perverse generation. Don't go in the way of the world. Go in the way of the Lord. Walk in his ways. And the response to Kepha's preaching, as he preaches there, this Acts 2 sermon, so to say, uh, ushers in a new era of sorts, if we could say it that way. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then those who gladly received his word. Don't you like how it says that? They gladly received his word, the teaching that he had by the Spirit. They gladly received his word. They were immersed in that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. What a revival that is, huh? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. It was a 19th century Messianic Jewish scholar that some of you are probably familiar with. His name was Alfred E. Edersheim. A famous, come from a very Jewish background, very literate background. Um, I was reading his story recently of how he came to know the Lord, but he ended up in Pest, the other side of Budapest. He ended across the river. He ended up in Pest, as they call it. And he became a believer in Pest, in Hungary of all places. He was a, a, a prolific writer. His writings, to me, amazes me, some of the writings that... Uh, those prior to the computer era and word processing era that they could write these volumes like this. Hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of pages that they could write such volumes, but he did that. His famous work, uh, the most famous and very useful work is The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. All from a Jewish viewpoint. He was from an Orthodox Jewish family. Uh, when he was raised, his, his parents actually spoke English in the home, and he ended up being very fluent in English and Yiddish and Jewish things and all that. So here's what he wrote in his book called The Temple, which is also another great volume. He wrote, quote, To us, the day of Pentecost is indeed the feast of firstfruits. And that of the giving of the better law, written not in tables of stone, but on the fleshly tables of the heart with the spirit of the living God. For as the worshipers were in the temple, probably just as they were offering the wave lambs and the wave bread, the multitude heard that sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, which drew them to the house where the apostles were gathered, there to hear every man in his own language the wonderful works of God. And on that Pentecost day, Dr. Edersheim continues, on that Pentecost day, from the harvest of firstfruits, not less than 3,000 souls were added to the community and they were presented, as it were, as a wave offering to the Lord. He mentions the wave offering twice. If you carefully read uh, prior, when we were reading through the scriptures, it mentioned that there were two loaves of bread that were to be weighed before the Lord, and they were to be loaves of bread, not matzah. We came out of matzah from Passover. Matzah is unleavened bread. But the two loaves of bread that were to be weighed before the Lord were to have yeast in them. So rather than a thin, flat cracker, there's this yeast breads, which we will do that to close the service. And it's very symbolic of the uniting in one body of Jews and Gentiles. All of us delivered from the yeast of sin through the shed blood of Messiah Yeshua.
Now, if we carefully consider the events that led up to the outpouring of the Spirit on Shavuot in Acts chapter 2, I just want to point out briefly three key truths that we find. Three key truths about the Holy Spirit. For example, number one, the Holy Spirit was poured out in fulfillment of God's promise. It just didn't happen but God had promised. There are a lot of passages of Scripture, but when we think about the promises of God, we're reminded that in Messiah Yeshua, all the promises of God are ken ve'aman, are yes, and so be it. All the promises of God in Messiah Yeshua. In Acts chapter 2, verse 39, which we prior read, states this, for the promise, notice the word promise, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And let me say this, not only as a parent here today of three children, my wife and I, but to you who are parents, you can bank on this. It's something to pray about for your children, that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit that will be led by the Holy Spirit. Pray that there will be Spirit-led children there. And, of course, that's an issue that we're praying about for our children. I know many of you are parents. You are praying that they will just follow the Lord and be led by the Spirit. But, again, it says, For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And I'm thankful that the spigot wasn't turned off at Acts chapter 2. So that we can sit here today in Oklahoma City in 2021 and still proclaim by the Spirit that Yeshua is the Lord and still proclaim by the Spirit that He's the King and still proclaim by the Spirit that He's going to come back soon. Blessed be His name. And we are born again by that same Spirit through faith in Him as we place our trust in Messiah Yeshua. At the moment we place our trust in Him, And some of you have already placed your trust in him. Others probably need to place their trust in Yeshua. Something happens. I know in my life it was pretty dramatic. How many of you can say when you came to the Lord it was pretty dramatic change? It certainly was for me. It was uh, really, it went, I passed from death to life. I passed from darkness to light and from enmity to friendly standing with the Lord. And that's all in accordance with what it says in Colossians chapter 1 beginning verse 12. It states there, That we as believers, we can give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. And conveyed us. Ever thought of a conveyor belt? (laughs) He just conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. And I don't know more powerful mechanism in one's life than to know that you have been forgiven your sins because of Yeshua and what He did for you. There's nothing more powerful than that. When we place our trust in Him, And that he is truly the Lord, our righteousness. Something happens. It happened in my life. And many of you raised your hands when I asked that prior. Has happened in your life. But the terms that mankind face now is quite stark. Let me remind you what John chapter 3 says in verse 36. This, This verse has shaken me many times. John chapter 3, verse 36. In this world where everything, they're trying to put everything in the gray area. This verse just doesn't allow that. John chapter 3, verse 36. 
we read from the Besorah, the gospel says, he who believes in the Son has, say it with me, everlasting life. Let's read that together. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Are you a believer in the Son of God, Yeshua, the Messiah? If you are, and that's a truism for you, a truism, not just a mental gyration, but a truism that you believe in your heart that Yeshua is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead. It says you're saved, that you're a believer. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And then there's this part, and this shakes me. It shakes me. It motivates me to realize that there's a lot on the line for every human being who's breathing on the face of the earth. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Wow. Friends, those are really not my words. I'm repeating these words. That's a serious, serious matter there. So we have our work cut out for us. If you're a believer, realize that the, there are multitudes, multitudes, as the prophet said, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, that the Lord's judgment of decision and we have our work cut out to impact them towards the Messiah. I mentioned three things I want to share. Well, that was one. Here's the second one. Being filled with the Spirit and walking by the Spirit brings new direction to our lives. And many of us can say when we came to know the Lord, our life took a totally different direction. And let me ask, I like to do polls. I like to ask questions. How many of you can say that when you came to the Lord, your life took a different direction, a good direction? That's me. Because I was going to... H-E double toothpick in a basket before then. <laughs> and some of you are laughing, but you were going that way too. We were going together in the same baskets. <laughs> but being filled with the Spirit and walking by the Spirit brings new direction to our lives. Some of us have experienced that, and I pray that everyone's my heart's desire that everyone would experience that in reality. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we've already read that, but it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The they there are those 3,000 individuals that came to accept Yeshua. They had a change in their life that was pretty dramatic. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Galatians 5.16 states, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They had a major change. And many of them historically went to the places where they came from. And do you think they went back to those various places where they came from and they just kept their mouths shut? I don't. How could they not talk about seeing the cloven tongues of fire? How could they not talk about the things that they saw? They had to share all along the way and at their families back home. You know, when something like this, you will not believe what happened to me in Jerusalem this year. And then they recount the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it could have went something like this. Well, I, I, you know I go every year to this, but this was different. There was fire involved with this. I mean, you fill in the blanks. How would they have told the story? And their children listened to them who got left behind and didn't go to Jerusalem with them. Their eyes were getting like sunny side eggs, you know, listening to this. What? What did you say, Abba? What did you say? Tell me that again. We need to make sure that we proclaim the good things of the Lord to others because some of them have ears to hear. 
They do want to know. This whole generation is not unregenerate. There's a group of people that want to know the Lord, and we can be their vessels. And I think true believers in Yeshua will be involved, and many of you are good examples of this here at Rosh Pina. You will be involved with godly fellowship. Notice the word godly, godly fellowship. This isn't fellowship at the local bar or fellowship at the local whatever. This is godly fellowship with other believers. You will be involved with prayer, both private and community. Private prayer, I think most of us agree we need to grow in that area. I certainly do. But also in the area of community prayer. Think about when's the last time you prayed. Thankfully, if you come to Shabbat services, you're involved with community prayer. If you come on Tuesday night, you're involved if you go to the prayer meeting with community prayer. And then the third thing is the Word of God. Doing what we're doing now, hearing someone, you know, talk about or expound upon the Word of God, but also your own private devotional study of the Word of God. And these three things, these three endeavorments, I've mentioned it many times, the idea of fellowship, prayer, and the Word, those are three unbreakable things in our life. They are the firm foundations of action that are important for us if we want to grow spiritually. If you remove one of them, it's like a stool that has three legs, and you have to balance those two. Eventually, no matter how good you are at balancing, you're going to start to topple. So Galatians told us that walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and true believers will be involved in godly fellowship, prayer, and the Word. Now notice, lastly, what transpired in Jerusalem shortly after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, verse 27, it says, there were some issues, there are some issues developed between the shlichim, the apostles, and the early leadership or the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem. Issues that Yeshua himself had faced. And finally, they brought the apostles before the council, the Jewish council in Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 5, verse 27 gives us, and you're welcome to read all that chapter. It gives you the full details, but here's a snippet of what happened. And when they had brought the shlichim, the apostles, they set them before the council. And the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name, this name being the name of Yeshua, not to proclaim Yeshua? Did we not tell you, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And then there's an interesting comment that comes right afterwards, and he continues, he says, and look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You filled Jerusalem with your teaching, with your doctrine. And you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Uh, It seems like the leadership was noticing what was happening among the populace. That the word of God was spreading. The new covenant in Maseh HaShlechim, the Acts of Apostles, tells us how the word spread. But also they were understanding that Yeshua's blood was shed. And that there was a, a certain amount of guilt that's upon every human being for the shed blood of Yeshua because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's because of our sins, not his own, that he died. So if you're here listening to these words, your sins and mine were involved with the Lord's crucifixion. That's a heavy idea. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and tend to bring this man's blood on us. 
And then you got to admire Kepha, Peter. How many appreciate Peter? <laughs> a bold dude if there ever was one. I don't know if the word dude existed 2,000 years ago, but it fits him. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Will you say that with me? We ought to obey God rather than men. How do we apply that now? Well, the whole world may be going one direction, but if it's contrary to the Word of God, we don't go that direction. We obey God rather than the ways of men. The God of our fathers, he continues, raised up Yeshua, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is, notice what he says, what they say, so also is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Friends, be sure, if you proclaim the word of God to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your family member, they may not respond well at first, but you have the Holy Spirit. When you're long gone and they don't see you anymore, they cannot get away from the Holy Spirit. And many of us have had the Holy Spirit remind us of things that people have said to us that stirred us and brought us to a closer relationship with the Lord. So speak the word in and out of season as much as is possible. So let me close. Now, I read from a Messianic Jewish scholar and quoted from him, Alfred E. Edersheim. He was from the 19th century. But I want to read you this quote in conclusion. This is from a 21st century Messianic Jew, Israeli. Quote, The Bible tells us that the promised outpouring of God's Spirit, which most of Israel's prophets predicted, was directly related to Yeshua of Nazareth and to his finished work of redemption. Historically and biblically, Everything changed when Yeshua accomplished the eternal work that only he could complete. Now that his offering was accepted before God our Father, now that he was glorified and seated by God's right hand, now that the offenses that separate us from God were removed through the forgiveness of sins, now the Holy Spirit could come. And he came at Pentecost and keeps coming from generation to generation, offering a new birth to all who believe the message, equipping them with power and abilities, spiritual fruits and gifts to carry out their life's purpose. And I'm so thankful to be able to say that that was from an Israeli-born believer alive right now, Reuben Doron, a Sabra. To write that, to realize that there's a full circle now. The gospel went out into the world, and now we have a large and growing contingency of Messianic Jews in Israel. That is a true miracle. Blessed be the Lord. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, 
www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.